Hello everybody, welcome to another edition of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeff. I am joined as well, I say as usual, but Mark, it sounds like you're gonna you're gonna ditch us for a couple of weeks here. You're gonna leave the the palatial Seattle studios and you're gonna go on a little vacation. But Mark A. Johnston, ladies and gentlemen, my my, my co-host. Hey, hey everybody. Yeah, dude, I um I've got to I gotta get away from it all, you know? So uh, I was thinking maybe uh, to tour different correctional facilities. Um, but uh, by by choice or no? Yeah, but my wife said no, so we're just gonna go to Disney World. Are you gonna by chance? Now I know Orlando. I don't think has training. I don't think any team trains in Orlando anymore since the Braves moved. But right? You gonna yeah, make any Braves, day trips? Braves used to be at uh, right on Disney World property. Yeah. Um, but uh, they've moved. Uh, they moved away. I'm not sure how far. I think the closest one maybe 15 miles away. So I might end up hitting a game or two, yeah. I might have a, uh, an idea for you coming up with our minor league team of the week. Okay. Here, just a little bit. But before we get to that, Mark, uh, I do offer you, I know you're getting ready to leave for a couple of weeks. Um, so you, I don't know, maybe you don't want to talk about baseball history like we have for 55 episodes prior. So I thought we could, if you wanted to, we kind of touched on football last week with all my football knowledge, would you rather we recap the XFL season so far? Oh man, the current XFL season, not the old XFL. Uh, well, I, I am well versed on either of them. So true story. I was in, in the old XFL, I was in an XFL fantasy league. Okay. (laughs) That's the truth. That's the truth. Okay. Moving on. Uh, no, yeah, no, I don't, I haven't watched enough XFL games to really comment. Um, intelligently about then then again I don't comment intelligently about baseball either but I know a little bit more about baseball than the XFL so all right well we'll go with that but let's just let's just back burner an XFL fantasy league podcast just just for a little bit though I want to I definitely want to come back to that all right so we're going to before we get into the the main part of the show let's you know we got to warm up don't want to pull a muscle don't want to tweak that groin. So uh, let's take a little BP first. And uh, I've got really just one thing that I've found. I've been, I I, I saw something about this a while ago and then I revisited it and I remembered how great this was. Uh, So Max Scherzer, incredible Mm -hmm. pitcher for the uh, world champion, Washington Nationals. Remember he, he couldn't, didn't he, it was game six he was supposed to start and he couldn't because he got up and his, or was it game five? I think it might have been game five. It was five. And, yeah, because I think it was in because I was in D.C. when it when it happened and he got up and he couldn't move his neck. So he couldn't go, right. uh, which is saying something for Max Scherzer because he is a gamer. Yeah. So I found an article in the Washington Post that interviewed every catcher that had ever caught Max Scherzer, kind of like trying to climb in the mind of the two toned eyed pitcher. <laughs> and I this interesting one from Alex Avila who caught Max Scherzer when they were both with the Detroit Tigers from 2010 through 2014. This is how Alex Avila described it. So it was a regular June day. They are playing the Kansas City Royals in 2013. So they're at Kauffman Stadium. And Scherzer, this year, he was going to go on to uh, win his first Cy Young Award. But he, he was struggling early against the Royals. So Avila 
didn't know what he could do to go out there and, you know, kind of get his pitcher on track. But he had an idea. And this kind of goes back to what we were just talking about. So he walks out to the mound and instead of giving him any advice, he offers him a fantasy football trade. <laughs> that is outstanding. I lo- yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of clubhouses have their run their own mm-hmm. fantasy football. They run their sure. March Madness, especially right now. Sure. So, um, but he, what he did is he offered him an awful one, like a really bad trade, like that nobody's going to ever pull the trigger on. So Scherzer was kind of confused, and then he got mad at Avila. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, I don't know if he got mad at him for the trade or that he came out here to talk about a fantasy football trade. So he yelled at him, but then after that, he threw seven complete innings and went on to a 9-0 and record. Well, so, see, there you go. He got him sparked. Yeah, you got to just know how to read your pictures, but there, <laughs> there you go. So normally I've got a couple of these smaller items for our, our BP segment, but I have got a ton of stuff on our minor league team that MLB is threatening to contract this year, uh, next year. So yes. we're going to, we're just going to go right into that. And if you have not been listening to us before, welcome. Uh, go back and catch. You got a, a lot of catching up to do. But what we're doing right now is during the regular season, we talk about uh, major league debuts. But since nobody can really debut in spring training, we're talking about the 42 teams that Major League Baseball is threatening to disassociate with uh, the minor league system in a year. And we're going through them one by one. So today's team is the uh, class single A Florida State League, the Daytona Tortugas. The Tortugas. The Tortugas. Now, Mark, I have no idea where Daytona Beach is in comparison to Orlando. Uh, but if they're yeah. close, I think you, you should go check out the Tortugas at stadium, at least. Their games yeah. won't start yet. But. It's a great name, the Tortugas. Yeah, I, I, I'll get to that because I had no idea what it meant. So uh, they play, as I said, in Daytona Beach, Florida. So originally the club was the, the Daytona Cubs. That was from 1993 through 2014. I, I'm going to guess you can guess who they were affiliated with. Um, the Rangers? Correct. Uh, <laughs> but also the Chicago Cubs. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then in 2014, Daytona reached an agreement with the Cincinnati Reds, and they were going to rebrand the team with a new quote-unquote local angle. And I didn't see that they held a contest, but they did come up with the name Tortugas which I now know is a Spanish word for turtle or tortoise. Yes. Aren't turtles and tortoises two different things, though? They are, yeah, but, you know, they get lumped together all the time. So uh, Eskimos have like 8,000 different words to describe snow, but the Spanish have one word to describe two different animals? (laughs) Apparently so, yeah. That's lazy. That is not, you got to pick it up there. Uh, The franchise has won nine division titles and six league titles. The team plays at Jackie Robinson Ballpark, which opened in 1914. Obviously, was not named Jackie Robinson Ballpark in 1914. And it only seats 5,100 fans. It's gone uh, undergone renovations many times in its history. But it's really interesting, uh, the stadium and why it's named Jackie Robinson Ballpark. So Daytona Beach was the first Florida city that allowed Robinson to play during the 1946 spring training schedule. Oh, interesting. Robinson was playing at that point for the AAA Montreal Royals, 
who were in Florida to play an exhibition game against the parent club, Brooklyn Dodgers. Both Jacksonville and Sanford, though, refused to allow the game due to segregation laws. The refusal by Jacksonville was a big one because that's where the Dodgers spring training home was at that point. And that led the Dodgers to say, see ya. Wow. And uh, they went to Daytona in 1947 and then went on to build Dodger Town in Vero Beach for the 48 preseason spring training, not preseason spring training. Gotcha. So very into that. And thusly why it is now named Jackie Robinson ballpark, because they said, Hey, everybody's welcome here. Come play baseball. You got to dig the history. That's cool. That's really cool. Their mascot. Now, what if you were going to name a turtle, what would you name him? Bill. Legitimate choice. Yeah. I My default is Steve for everything. Yeah. But they uh, the mascot's name is Sheldon. <laughs> I get it. Now, what I've got here, though, this team has got some really good promotions. I mean, minor league teams always have good promotions. The uh, the Tortugas, though, are stepping their game up. Let me read you some of their, if you happen to be in Daytona Beach sometime this this uh, this season. Every Sunday is bring your, it's a bark in the park, essentially. Every Sunday oh, game, neat. which is awesome. Yeah. Belly Buster Monday, which is presented by Marco's Pizza, where fans uh, can, it's all you can eat, hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, and popcorn for a $13 ticket. Wow, the four major food groups. Yes. <laughs> I mean, and legit, I mean, realistically, in a major league ballpark, one of those items is $13. It's $13, no kidding. So that's a really good deal. You just, yeah. you know, beer might get a little expensive, but. Yeah, well, we're used to that, though. Uh, here's a good one. Richard Simmons night is scheduled for Saturday, April 11th. What? Uh, activities include a pregame on-field aerobics class, and the first 500 fans will receive a free pair of Tortugas leg warmers. Oh, my goodness. I got to get there for that. I am going to hit eBay up right after that. If I can't get to that game, I'm hitting eBay up for that. That's a beautiful thing. They also have... They also have a Bob Ross night with painting instruction. They've got Wizards and Wands night to celebrate the Battle of Hogwarts. They, okay. they, they celebrate it. I, they, they remember the Fallen from the they Battle of Hogwarts. The at, at the Battle of Hogwarts, <laughs> yes. Uh, they've got an office night, which apparently they've had before. This year, it coincides with Earth Day, and they're promoting recycling. So it includes a Recyclops bobblehead, which if you're an office fan, that was the uh, the the ultimate end to Dwight's Earth Day transformation through the years. He started off as a, a fun recycling character, and then grew more angry throughout the years <laughs> into Recyclops. Uh, new manager coming up for the uh, for the team this year. This is a name that I grew up with listening to him play for the Angels in Salt Lake City somehow at night. I could get the Angels broadcast. But Dick Schofield is oh, the wow. new manager. Good. I think he was a second baseman, right? Second baseman, shortstop, I think. Yeah. He wasn't very tall, but he, he was like no. one of those, you know, hard-nosed middle yep. infielders. Like him. Bench coach just named Darren Bragg. Oh, wow. I, th- I think we just talked about him like two episodes ago. That, yeah. In fact, yeah. And you know what? I We pulled his card with uh, when we had Amari P. Gonzalez. Okay, yeah. That's that's where it was. I uh, also want to just mention some of their past managers. Uh, a couple of good names here. One of which you're intimately familiar with. 
Brian okay. Harper managed the Tortugas in 2012. Now, didn't you tell us a story that the the A's kind of drew him out of retirement yes. uh, to come and be a backup catcher because they were desperate and kind of promised him a, a managerial or coaching spot at some point? Yeah, he, he lives in uh, Arizona and the A's have a facility there uh, that he wanted to, you know, just go and be a coach at um, something to, to occupy him and so on. And they said, cool, we'll, we'll hire you, but we don't have any catchers at AAA right now. We only have one. They need a backup. So you got to go catch for Tacoma. And I got a phone call. Hey, Mark, can you come pick me up? What's going on? Why are you here? I'm, I'm, I'm on the team. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad he, he at least, you know, got a, a, a shot at managing. Um, went 59 and 74 in that, yeah. in that year. Other managers, Eli Marrero. Remember him from the Cardinals mainly. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's where I remember him. And then last year it was rook, rookie. Last year it was Ricky Gutierrez. No kidding. Yeah, boy, he's uh, Padres, Astros, Cubs, Indians, Mets, Red Sox. He <laughs> made his way around, but that's what utility guys do. That's right. Um, uh, some uh, some famous alumni. Uh, obviously, they were a Cubs organization for a while, so that's going to be where a. a Brunt of these uh, players that I mentioned, or you're going to know them from now. Javi Baez obviously played, well, not obviously, but Javi Baez played there. He had quite a game in 2013 on June 10th versus the Fort Myers Miracle, which I believe wasn't that one of the uh, senior league teams. They were called the Fort Myers, Fort Myers really? Miracle. Were they? I think uh, they were. Sponsored by Insure, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, he hit four home runs in that game. Oh, nice. It's a pretty good night. Some other alumni, Chris Bryant, Rich Hill, who was on last week's Jackson Generals list, Uh, Jeff Samarja, Ryan Sandberg, our buddy Rhino, Jorge Soler, our our favorite Mariner, Dan Vogelbach, (laughs) Uh, Kerry Wood, and finally, another guy that we mentioned last week that also played for the Jackson Generals is Carlos Zambrano. Oh, yeah. So there you have it, the Daytona Tortugas. Support your local minor league team, folks. We don't want to see this contrition thing go through. It's just that, you know, communities rely on their baseball teams um, to, to bring people and give people something to do. And it's, it's just good for baseball and it's good for small towns. So we, we just that's why we do this. And, and, you know, looking up these teams, I see they've all got community pages and every one of these teams is active in communities. The players get into it and, you know, it's not just baseball. They're creating jobs. They are doing good in the community. This is just ridiculous. I, I just I still can't get over why I, I'm really hoping they're just using Major League Baseball is just using this as a bargaining chip, which sucks. But I yeah. would hate to lose these minor league teams. Yeah, that would be that would be devastating to the minor league system and to a whole lot of little little towns and little cities. All right, so Mark, uh, let's jump into our trivia question. Uh, last week, I asked you of players who had retired—that's the yes. key word here, being retired—that had at least one fifty-plus home run season. Who has the fewest career home runs? Do you have an answer? Now, a lot of people on Twitter had answers and uh, a lot of correct answers. This one was might have been our, our easiest one yet. But uh, do you have a do you have an answer? My my guess is and I, I don't know, I'm guessing um, just because he had uh, he, he had a big season one year after coming back from Japan, but he didn't play for another 20 years or anything. So I'm wondering if his home run totals 
don't quite add up to the others. Uh, I was going to say Cecil Fielder. Well, first of all, let me tell you the answer. The answer is Brady Anderson. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. He of really one good year. <laughs> yeah. But he had uh, the best sideburns in the game. He did. And I, I, I threw this out there on Twitter. I believe Brady Anderson also rollerbladed to the ballpark in Baltimore, didn't he? I think so, yeah. I think that was him. Yeah, so you're right. Uh, Cecil Fielder, when he came back in 1990, hit 51. Right. He totaled 319 career home runs. He played longer than I was giving him credit for then. In the majors, he played for 13 years. Okay. Not a bad total, but Brady Anderson, though, he yeah. had the one season of uh, 50 home runs in 1996. That was definitely a juiced ball. Well, some juiced players, too, but I think that was a combination <laughs> of both. He had 50 home runs. He hit 297. He finished ninth in MVP voting, but his career total was only 210. Okay. Yeah. Which is nothing to, that's nothing to shake a stick at. But No, no, that's a lot of home runs. It's 210 more than I have. And do we have a better phrase I can use than shake a stick at? That sounds, that sounds like I'm 108 years old, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so Brady Anderson, uh, looking at his, he had a career 109 OPS plus, so he was above average and his, uh, overall war was 37.8. Wow. That's pretty impressive. He That's stole a lot of bases too, I think. Uh, career steals was 315. No, nice. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't bad, but I mean, he was clearly juicing <laughs> for part of his career, if not all of his career. Um, and then he took a he took a, a dive pretty quick. His numbers went south, probably right when he stopped. Yeah, stopped that tends to happen. Yeah. So there you have it. Uh, congratulations to our listeners that got that one. A couple of other names I mentioned: Pete Alonso and Aaron Judge. They've both had fifty plus home run seasons, but they're obviously still have long careers ahead of them. The next lowest total was Hack Wilson of the Chicago Cubs. He ended up with 244. But huh. Hack Wilson, if you remember, he still holds the record for RBIs in a season. He drove in 191 yes. in 1930. Yes, it was 190. They went back through the records and found another one. So it's 191. <laughs> and remember, that was only 144 game season. That was right. not the 162. That's good, right? 191. Yeah. I, I got to imagine that is. And he, of course, is in the Hall of Fame. Mr. Yeah. Hack Wilson. All right, so I got a new question for you. Now, you're going to be gone for a couple weeks. We're going to actually have a couple of guests sitting in your seat right there. So first, you're going to probably want to lower the seat, you know, for a normal heighted person to sit in. Yeah, yeah but, that's a good idea. <laughs> but I'm going to ask you this question, and then I will, uh, hopefully they're listening to the show, you know, as a little proud. Mm -hmm. Who holds the record for the best career ERA? Um, career, Walter Johnson? That is not correct. This person, I, I will give you this clue. He is a Hall of Famer, and he did pitch for 14 years. So this isn't some guy that pitched for a year, had like right. eight innings, and you know didn't allow a run, and then got hurt and had to retire. So right. this is a legitimate, this guy has pitched uh, almost 3,000 career innings. So this is a legitimate stat. But there okay. you go. I'm, I'm going to let everybody think about that. Who holds the best career ERA? All right. So, uh, Mark, that's going to do it for BP. We're going to let the ground Ooh. screw come out, wet down the infield. 
chalk the lines. Uh, we've got uh, we're gonna we're gonna do because you are leaving. We're we're recording this very close to when we recorded our show last week. We're gonna do one of uh, well, listeners seem to like it, a tales from the dugout. Kind of some shorter stories, but I know you've got a couple of things you want to talk about as well. So I'm going to let you go first. Okay. Sounds good. I was, it was funny. I was pondering the other day. I was pondering what you were pondering, how to take over the world. But uh, (laughs) now that's a pinky in the brain reference and I cannot remember how it goes. It goes, what do you want to do tonight, Brian? Same thing we do every night, pinky. Try and take over the world. Yeah. Now we got to pay royalties, but yes, you are correct. Now it's all coming back to me. Um, I started thinking, whatever happened to the player manager? It was a popular role for a good long time. Teams uh, early on in baseball, to save money, would just have one of their players, oh, you want to be the manager too? (laughs) But uh, as it went on, you know, towards uh, further and further, the baseball got more and more popular. The player manager still kind of stuck around. Some significant player managers were Frank Robinson. He was the first black manager in baseball history. 1975, he was playing for the Cleveland Indians. He was also managing the Cleveland Indians. Joe Torre, he became the manager of the New York Mets in 77. He was still wrapping up his career. And the most recent, this is the most recent player manager. Can you, can you guess? Well, I'm going to guess it was Pete Rose. I think he That's was right. the last one. Yeah. That's right. He, in uh, 84 through 86, I believe, he would run the team. He would play himself sometimes. He was still hustling after that record. So what happened to him? Oh, you know, things didn't work out for Pete. <laughs> but he was still, ha- you know, he had his walker. He was going after Ty Cobb's record. And, and uh, he finally got there. And, but uh, I, I just started wondering, Jeff, curious, what do you think? What, why don't we see player managers anymore? Oh, I think it's too, I think players are making way too much money to be bothered with being a manager, too. I mean, a manager is a... Manager is a lot different too. I mean, mm-hmm. nowadays managers. Well, I, I remember working for the Tigers, and I was there for the first, you know, home stand just to make sure the season went well. And so during the middle of the day, we'd go downstairs. We'd be going out to lunch, going over to Chelly's, Chris Chelios's restaurant, where they had the absolute best chili, and we would run into Jim Leland all the time. Oh, yeah. And uh, he'd always be out smoking. That's one of, <laughs> every time we ran into him, he was he has had a heater just out there in the back entrance to the uh, to the players lot. And it, I mean, he lived there. He did not leave. Uh, <laughs> if you remember, did you ever read Men at Work by George Will? Yes. Yeah. I mean, you remember that was the beginning of it. And that was right at the, kind of the end tail end of Pete Rose. Tony La Russa just would put up a cot in the in the manager's office i i there's just no way that a player could do both things at this point i think everything's too specialized see that's exactly what my thinking everything is so specialized now um you know you, that the manager really has to to know his team and line up intimately you know to be able to to manage the team and have the focus that you need how are you going to be able to focus on what you know what your batting stance needs as far as tweaking stuff like that so I, I don't know. Uh, maybe we'll see another player manager again someday. Um, in 97, the Blue Jays considered uh, Paul Molitor to be a possible player manager. Ah, that's interesting. Um, but uh, they did not go with it. And then Barry Larkin actually came up. I don't know if he came up with the idea, but someone mentioned it. And he, he said he found it interesting <laughs> uh, to be a player manager. So it's, it's not a dead idea, but it just hasn't been done for so long. 
I started thinking, would it would it ever come back? Maybe, maybe not. If it does, it's going to be a special circumstance. Well, and you know, we've talked about the just how many current managers or former catchers too. That tends that position right. tends to lead lead one into the <laughs> into the manager spot. I would think that would be the hardest thing to do if you were a player manager and, and a catcher at this point. Yeah, because a, those catchers have so much to, you oh, know, yeah. they've got to know how to pitch the opposing lineup and they have to know everything about everybody on their staff. And boy, that would be mentally draining. Yeah, the, the catcher has to know pitching and hitting. So it's and that I think that's why the catchers end up being being managers is because they know both sides of offense and defense. But yeah, to be a, a catcher player manager, I don't know, you'd have to be pretty smart. Be able to pull that off. Uh, I know I couldn't do it. No, I, I, it's, it's weird because um, I, we've mentioned this before. The, you know, putting on catcher's equipment is known as putting on the tools of ignorance. Yes. Yet, who are most manager, you know, former players? What position do they play? The catcher. So yep. I don't know if at some point during their career, some sense gets knocked into them or where it comes <laughs> from. But Yeah. And it's funny because the catchers generally end up being pretty decent managers, yep. you know, in general. I think it's I think it is because they have to be so aware of both parts of the game. Yeah. But again, I don't think there's any way they could be doing that job while, you know, being behind the plate and being an active player. Do you know who the longest serving player manager was? I'm going to say and I am taking an absolute stab in the dark here that it was Frank Chance. Oh, that's a good guess because he he was a player manager. Yes. But um, this this guy I'm thinking of, his name starts with Cap Anson, and it's Cap Anson. Uh, I do know Cap Anson. I would Cap have never. Cap Anson was a player manager for 23 years. Wow. Yeah. So he had a, he had an interesting job. Uh, that would have been fun to see. You know, Charlie Comiskey was a ball player and a player manager too before, and a, and a general manager before he owned the Cubs. Wow. Yeah. And um, I was reading about uh, you, our, our buddy of the show, Nap Lajoie. Yes. Um, who was a player manager. He went, the Cleveland Bluebirds asked him to manage their team and play. And they were not the biggest name team. And he agreed. So they actually changed the name of the Bluebirds to the Cleveland Naps in Nap Lajoie's honor. So, yeah, there's been a lot of significant player managers. And I don't know, it just struck me the other day. I remembered a Pete Rose card from when I was little. And it said player manager on it. And that's the last time I remembered seeing it. So I thought I'd do a little research. And sure enough, it's... uh. It's been dormant for quite a long time. I just wondered what uh, you and what our listeners thought. All right. So I've got, uh, I got something here. I found this a while ago. I've been saving it for one of these shows. We talk a lot about the Negro Leagues. One, half of our show last week was about Leon Day. Yep. The, the less showmany uh, Satchel Page, maybe even better than Satchel Page. Yep. So I've got a list here of common baseball items or things involved with baseball that were either invented or inspired by the Negro Leagues. Oh, right on. So the first thing is Frank Grant. So Frank Grant was a player in the Negro Leagues. He was a catcher. He was the first player to don shin guards, which oh. is genius. Yes. I, <laughs> Good thinking. Yeah. So uh, he was the first person to do that, which obviously caught on in the major leagues. He was also the first player to do a feet first slide, huh. is what this says. 
Now, I have not been able to find a whole lot of information about... Uh, I'm guarantee people weren't going in Ricky Henderson style. No. Um, but uh, he is the first person credited with kind of perfecting... Maybe it, maybe they're talking about the, the hook slide. I don't know. I haven't been able to find a whole lot of information. But the feet first slide. Hmm. Next, we've, I, we've mentioned this name before. Elston Howard. Sure. He was the first one to ever put a weighted donut on his bat in the on-deck circle. Oh, nice. So, And we've had a lot of fun with that. I, we've talked about Dave Parker swinging a sledgehammer yep. in the on-deck circle. I love watching players when they get that thing stuck on their bat, and they're <laughs> over there pounding on that on-deck circle trying to get that thing to come off. I've seen guys had to get another bat and like... yeah. You know, to 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 kind of knock it the 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 donut off, but he was the first one to do it. We had it one time when I was assistant clubhouse manager, where one of the guys got the donut stuck on his bat, could not get it off, brought it back to me in the middle of the game. Can you get this off of here? And you know, of course, I couldn't. So <laughs> well, hey, I'm, ba- I'm banging out curveballs here. I can't. <laughs> That's right. I was I was pounding out curves. I don't have time for this. He saw your physique and figured that you could just muscle it off, I'm guessing. Well, obviously, yeah. Uh, This was one that was uh, not completely credited to a Negro League team, but was first popularized in the Negro Leagues, using paper cups to drink beer. Oh, wow. Disposable cups, as opposed to bring them back. Right. We've talked about this one before, night baseball. Mm. We've talked about both the Negro Leagues did this, where they... They traveled with a set of lights so that they could play two or three games a day. Last one being later at night. The House of David had their own set of lights. And uh, there was even a women's touring barnstorming team that had their own lights as well. Right on. So that's something that was was partially inspired by the Negro Leagues. Uh, We Willie Wells. He was the first one to wear a batter's helmet. Oh, wow. Also, not a bad idea. Yeah, another another staple. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Negro Leagues were also the first league to have a minor league system. So remember, Branch Rickey is really the one that popularized the minor league system for Major League Baseball. Branch Rickey, also a fan of the, the Negro Leagues. So yes. you can kind of guess where that idea came from. The All-Star Game, another... Uh, idea that originated in the Negro Leagues. We've talked about the All-Star Game several times for, for Negro Leagues. It was yes. called the, the East-West uh, the East West Game. There you go. Uh, Roy Sparrow of the Pittsburgh Crawfords is credited with coming up with that idea. And huh. then famous uh, newspaperman Gus Greenlee helped oh. popularize it. Yeah, well. Gus Greenlee. Yeah. Awesome. Another thing, the Negro Leagues were the first league to have two All-Star games, which if you remember, the Major Leagues did from 1956 through 1963. Glad they got rid of that, though. Yeah. <laughs> and probably this is this is a not so much as interesting to me, but it's very interesting how this kind of uh, affected a whole bunch of other things. The probably the longest lasting one of these things is that the capital that was earned during the Negro Leagues was pooled together to start the National Basketball Association. 
What? So in the early days of the NBA, Abe Saperstein, who we I believe we've yep. talked about, and Eddie Gottlieb used the monies from their Negro Leagues to foster their NBA teams. And of course, Abe Saperstein, we've mentioned because he was the owner of the Harlem Globetrotters, of right. which several uh, players who played in the Negro Leagues were also in the Globetrotters. Just a piece of trivia, Bob Gibson played with the Globetrotters for a season. He told me that personally. He goes, you know, it was the most fun year of my life, the year I played with the Globetrotters. And I went, uh-huh. Wait, really? <laughs> <laughs> there, there you go. Those are some inventions, uh, ideas, that uh, most of which, well, I think they all are still around. From, That's good stuff. Uh, inspired by the Negro Leagues. Amazing, the kind of stuff we learn on here, isn't it? That's yeah, what you get for living on the internet all day. I, I got a couple of players mixed up the other day when I was talking um, to a friend of mine. We were talking about baseball and I got a couple of players mixed up because they had similar names. And so I started thinking, what, what do you think are the most popular or most used names in the game of baseball? We're going to do first and last separately. So I'm going to have you make a couple of guesses. I'll, see, I'll, I'll let you see if they're in the top 10. Would you like to guess first or last names? Uh, let's do first first. Okay. Okay, so we're going to the top 10 first names in Major League Baseball, the most common names. Now, I remember when we did our first nicknames episode, I remember what the most popular nicknames were, Red right. and Lefty. See, the problem is during the, the early days of baseball, there were some very, very, very strange names. Yes. Um, just, just as a hint, these are all still used in modern. In all modern right. Baseball. Well, my go-to, like I said earlier, is Steve. Steve is not on the list. How about this? I'm going to ask for a clue. How many of them are Latino names? Let's see here. I believe just one. My guess would be probably Jose. Got it. That's number 10. Jose. Number 10. The, the furthest from the... <laughs> That's right. But hey, it's a score, right? You know? Yes, about, Jose is number 10. How about Rob or Robert? Uh, none of the above are on that. Or Bob. Top 10. Nope. I'm going to guess neither Jeff nor Mark are on there. Nope. Uh, I'm going to say Ricky is not probably on the top. Probably not. Neither is Nolan, just so you know. Uh, I'm going to give myself one more guess. I am going to say John. John is number five. John or Jonathan. There we go. Uh, yep. Uh, so you got, you know, John Lester, John Broxton, Johnny Washington. You know how it is. <laughs> uh, so here's, here's the list. Number 10 is Jose. Nine is Justin. Eight is Brandon. Number seven is Dave. Six is Ryan. I didn't think there would be that many Ryans, but they're probably all named after Nolan Ryan. Uh, five, as we said, was John. Four was Josh. Number three is Chris. Second is Matt. And the most popular MLB name is Michael or Mike. Those are all very contemporary names. No, yes. like Jebediahs or. No, no, no hacks. <laughs> No, Hack Wilson's. Well, I, I'm going to guess Hack wasn't his first. What? I, I, can you imagine having parents that cool and name you Hack? Well, I'm looking at baseball reference and it just says Hack Wilson. So. See, there you go. Maybe it was a popular name in his time or in his town. Maybe Hack he coughed was, uh, a lot as a child. I don't know. <laughs> maybe Lewis it. Robert Hack Wilson. Oh, Lewis. That wasn't on the list. Well, Robert, and that wasn't on the list, but there you no. go. Well, just as good as Hack, I guess. So do you want to venture any guesses at the last names? Um, all right. So I, I, I'm going to assume there's a couple of Latin last names. 
There are, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six uh, good Latin deal. last names. Gonzalez, Rodriguez. Gonzalez is three. Rodriguez is your number one. Good job. All right, there. Well, then I'm going to quit right now. Okay. All right. Number 10 was Cabrera. Ah. Nine is Davis. Eight, Carpenter. Number seven is Sanchez. Six is Wilson. Five, Martinez. Four is Ramirez. Three is Gonzalez. Number two, close to mine, but not quite, is Johnson. Mm-hmm. They don't have the extra T in there. It's the T that makes it cool. Uh, and then number one, as you guessed and got right, was Rodriguez. That is very interesting. Just that, that I mean, that shows you how many Latino players there mm-hmm. have been and, and how many unique first names they have. Because that last name list is littered with Latin last names. And the yeah. first one had two. Right, exactly. So, uh, yeah, it just shows you how popular uh, baseball is in, in Latin America and uh, how many players end up from Latin America coming to play in the big leagues. So, but, you know, I just, another thing I was pondering weird stuff, uh, which I normally do. So, and, so uh, I just what started was wondering the, about this stuff. what was the first, I, give me the, the most popular first and last name again. Mike Rodriguez. So if your name's Mike Rodriguez, you're just very average. There has not been a single Mike Rodriguez that has played in the major leagues. That See, that means something. <laughs> <laughs> That's a goocher. There you go. <laughs> no, no Mike Rodriguez. All right. Well, that's interesting. Uh, let's, uh, I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess Jeff would have, is going to be way down. Who's the most famous Mike you think in baseball? Mike Trout? Mike All Trout time? right now. Mike Schmidt. Mike Sh- Oh, very good. Yeah. I'm trying to think yeah. of, of Jeff, like Jeff Cerro, Jeff Kent. Jeff oh, Conine. Jeff Bagwell. There's, there's a Hall of Famer. Conine. Yeah, Conine. Kent. Jeff Weaver. Yeah. Yeah, not a lot of, not a lot of real good. I, there's only one Hall of Famer that I'm seeing here for Jeffs. But so that was that was my real important uh, delving into the the depths of the history of baseball right there. All right, we've just finished talking about common last names in Major League Baseball, and uh, as is tradition on the show, whenever we do that. That leads us right into uh, our favorite segment, Wax Packs Heroes. Our favorite segment and our favorite song. Gotta pull the Wax Pack Heroes. All right, so if you have not uh, heard Wax Packs Heroes before, there are a couple of rules. We are scoring these cards by using a 1992 Beckett baseball card monthly. That way, these cards have some value. Uh, we've tried it with uh, new Becketts, and none of these cards are really worth anything. These are Junk Wax era cards, so not a lot of value. We also do have some supplementary scores. If you are a Hall of Famer, you get an extra five cents. If you are wearing a mustache, which I think a good 94% of each of these guys have grown mustaches at this point. You get an extra scent. If you are wearing real stirrups that we can see, you get a scent. But if you are wearing the dreaded two-in-one stirrups, Ooh. you are going to, we're going to take away a scent and a little bit of your dignity. That's right. Because you shouldn't be wearing those. No, bad news. All right. So, uh, Mark, I have got two packs in my hand here. Last week was a real close one. 
and I went back. I went back and re-listened to the show. Remember, I gave you. I said I think he's got real stirrups on one of your players. I gave you a scent, and then I said I wasn't sure that uh, one of my guys had two and ones, but I said uh, I think he probably does. You yes. beat me by two cents. Oh I gave you two cents back and forth <laughs> there. But you came back, and or not, you you took the win, and that evened us. So we're at 12 wins apiece. So today, to we are going to look at 1992 score series two. I've got two oh, packs nice. here. Okay. So I've got uh, one that has got Terry Steinbach on the front, my favorite catcher of all time. Sweet. And another has got a left-handed Yankee pitcher that looks like Sonny Gray, but clearly in 1992 was not Sonny Gray. Uh, I'm not sure who it is, but I'm going to give you the option. I'm going to shuffle them here of picking uh, either the one I've got my left hand or my right hand. Oh, I was going to say it, it only makes sense that you have the Terry Steinbach one. All right. I'll, I'll take it. I will give you the option if you want to go first or second. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play home team this week. All right. So I will go first. Uh, on the front here, there is a special consumer offer that I can send in and get an exclusive set of 40 1992's top rookie prospects. Wow. So I'm going to be sending this in after the, after the show and see what I get. You bet. All right. So... I am going to start off. Uh, these are not score great score cards. The 92 the 92 set definitely a step back for score. Not a great looking <laughs> card. Uh, my first one, I've never even heard of this guy. He is a third baseman. Oh, he's a rookie prospect for the St. Louis Cardinals. Rod Brewer. Rod Brewer? Yeah. Well, I don't remember that one either. I don't either. This, this picture, though, he's mid-swing. It's at Candlestick Park, I can tell by the wall. Again, my sure. my superhero, uh, my superpower. Uh, he is right. wearing real. St- no, no, I'm gonna have to say those are two and ones. Definitely two and ones. That's not good. Let's see. Maybe because it's a rookie card, it'll be worth something. Could have some value. It's possible. Uh, no, absolutely not. None. Okay, great. So that's minus one cent for me. Way to go, Rod. <laughs> Jerk. Uh, now this next one. This is interesting. There is a. Um, this is a, it's got to be a, like a heritage pirates card. It's got a Honus Wagner, you know, the most famous Honus Wagner card yep. laid on top of an old glove and an old pirates hat and Jersey does not say anything on it, but it is, uh, just a special looking card. Oh, it's, it's listed as the Honus Wagner Memorial card and it is worth five cents. Oh, now. And on the back, it says Honus Wagner. Do I get Hall of Fame credit for that? Oh, boy, that's a tough call. We might have to go to the judges. I'm I'm the judge. I'm going to allow it. Okay. I don't want to come up two cents short like I did last (laughs) week. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to allow that. So that's a 10-cent card right there. I'll take that all day. Next, I've got a score all-star card. And this is great. They're caricatures. Like the body is small. They're they're drawings. The body yes. is small, and then their big head. And it's funny because this is a Barry Bonds, and his legs are these little sticks, and then his upper body and head are huge. Oh, the realism! The realism is spot on. This card is worth two cents. He is wearing a mustache, as he always did. 
So uh, I'm not going to worry about the stirrups because this is a cartoon. Next, I've got a Rookie of the Year card. Now, here's a. this is the American League Rookie of the Year. Can you fathom a guess who the 1991 American League Rookie of the Year was? 91. was It wasn't Walt Weiss, was it? No, that was, uh, that was, that was in 89? Yeah, I think I'm two years two years late um yeah i don't know played for the minnesota twins what position infielder infielder for the twins uh chuck knoblock there you go there you go chuck new kids on the knoblock yes uh that is rookie of the year card he's wearing real stirrups and it is worth five cents dang it that's not bad Uh, i remember this guy i don't remember much about him uh infielder for the cleveland team jeff manto yeah, I remember Jeff Manto. Uh, utility guy, I think. Uh, yeah, he's listed here as an infielder. Not even just a... Not, not <laughs> a middle infielder, just an infielder. <laughs> um, no value in, on card 666, uh, but he is wearing real stirrups. Uh, we talked about this guy last week when we were talking about the Montreal Expos. Third baseman, Sean Barry. Yep. He was uh, worth two cents at this point, does not have a mustache, uh, and it is sporting two and one. The nerve of that guy not growing a mustache. Well, I can see being clean shaved is fine, but not, you know, wearing two and ones is unacceptable. Inexcusable. Yeah. All right. Now, this guy was one of my favorite players. He was on the San Diego Padres when I really became a fan of first baseman outfielder Carmelo Martinez. Oh, yes. We used to call him Marshmallow. Marshmallow Martinez. I love it. <laughs> I remember Carmelo Martinez. He's a pretty good hitter, if I remember right. He had some pop. Um, well, not a whole lot of pop. 10 to 15 home runs. Yeah. But around a 240, 250 hitter. The card's not worth anything, and he is uh, unfortunately wearing two and ones. So that is a minus one. Way to go, Marshmallow. Yeah. Here's a name I swear I have not said since probably 1995. Pitcher here for the Philadelphia Phillies, Steve Searcy. Oh, wow. I haven't even thought about it. I remember Steve Searcy, sure. But it's been a while. Left-handed pitcher. Yep. Uh, came up with the Tigers, middle reliever. Mm-hmm. His card is not worth anything. He is wearing two and ones. It's just a bad year for, for stirrups, but he does have a mustache, <laughs> so that's a, that's a wash. We've talked about this guy before, the zinger, Todd Benzinger. Todd Benzinger. Absolutely. Guess what? Guess what kind of stirrups he's wearing? Uh, two and ones? Exactly. Card's not worth anything, and he's got no mustache. So I have racked up a minus three cents altogether on uh, <laughs> from stirrups. I've got some positive numbers. But. All right. Now, this guy, do you remember the catcher for the Atlanta Braves? That had, I want to say it was probably Nady two, had just an incredible postseason, uh, knocked in a ton of runs, wasn't much of a player elsewhere. Francisco Cabrera. Sure, I, I was just gonna guess that. Yeah, <clears throat> I remember. I remember him having like a huge postseason. Yeah, he came up with a lot of clutch hits. His card is not worth anything. I can't see his stirrups and he's got no mustache, but that's a name I haven't thought about for a while. Yeah. Uh, next here, uh, I know this guy mainly from the A's. 
because that's where I remember people. He's wearing these stupid two-in-ones. Uh, but he does have a mustache, at least. Mr. Stan Javier. Oh, Stan. I, I, I think I already told the story where I came up with the song for him. Batting. Stan in the place where you are? Yes. And it was the last at bat of his career that I came yeah. up with. <laughs> nice going, Johnston. It's all about timing. Uh, here's an outfielder for the San Francisco Giants, Rick Parker. I have no recollection of a Rick Parker. I do not either. Uh, Beckett did not think much of him this year. Um, I cannot tell. It looks like he might have a real light mustache, but I can't tell. He is wearing real stirrups, though, so I will take that. He's he's now my favorite utility outfielder for the Giants. Paul awesome. Ferries. There's another name I oh, haven't... Geez. Haven't uttered for a couple of decades. Here he was Boy. an infielder for the Padres. I remember him. I don't remember a whole lot, but I, I remember the name Paul Ferries. I remember because if Ferries, and he was real small and slight. He was 5'6". No, I'm sorry. He's 5'10", 165 pounds. Oh, wow. So one of those guys who can't play in Wrigley. He's from Berkeley, California, so good, hmm. good going there. Um, he is wearing real stirrups, too. I doubt that card's worth anything. Nope, but that is one cent. All right, I got three cards left here. My first Hall of Famer, Alan Trammell. Oh, right on. One of my favorites. No, this is a good this is a good card because these these scores have a green column on one side. And they let the they kind of cut out the player so part of them's just on that green and he's involved in a rundown here against the angels and in, in it's at uh, the big a it's a good picture he's just he's like flipping the ball he's not throwing it and the runner is in the foreground like trying to turn around quickly that's a good looking card that's worth two cents but he is a hall of famer i can't see about his stirrups so that's a seven cent card i am sure alan trammell's wearing real stirrups oh let's just assume let's just i assume. mean he is alan trammell i i'm not going to give myself credit for it but he's alan i trammell. would assume he would wear real stirrups he's alan trammell all right we get this guy at least every other week bearded red-headed pitcher usually for the montreal expos here he was with the st louis cardinals wearing real stirrups with a mustache bryn smith <laughs> bryn smith yeah i remember him as an expo I would be interested to go back through all our Wax Packs heroes and kind of do a running tally of who we've pulled the most. Yeah. Because he's up there. He is definitely up there. Were, were you surprised that Bryn wasn't in the most popular first names that I went over? I was I was going to guess it, but I thought, ah, it's probably pretty obvious. Yeah. yeah so. That's the same way I was. <laughs> all right. My last card is Wally World. Wally Joiner. Oh, Absorbing Joiner. This is great. Now, I remember I, my Wally Joyner story was <laughs> I was going, you know, I'd been to games at Candlestick. I'd been to games at Oakland uh, when I was young. Those are the only two major league parks I'd been to. And Ricky Henderson was on the Yankees. My parents were going to New York for something for my dad's work. So they said, hey, let's take Jeff. We'll take him to a Yankees game because I was rooting for the Yankees at that point. Ricky was on the team. Okay. So clearly this is in 1989. So, well, clearly to me, it'll be to you here in, in, in a minute. So we're about a month out from the trip and Ricky gets traded 
to the A's. So that's good news. But I'm not going to get to see it when we go to New York. But I remember that uh, they were playing the California Angels when I was there. And the night before we went to the game, somebody threw a knife at Wally Joyner from the stands while what? he was on the on-deck circle. <laughs> that's, a, that's a little over the top. Well, remember, this is late 80s New York Yankees, old Yankee Stadium. Wow. Yeah. Well, so knife. this card, this card is worth two cents. He's got real stirrups, no mustache. So that's a three center. But yeah, a knife. I remember that. That is frightening. All right. So the grand total from my pack is 36 cents. That's not bad. Could have been 39, but too many. Well, it was actually could have been higher than that. People have fake stirrups. They're just they're just bad. They're not right. All right, so you're gonna get this pack uh, with the. I would probably know who this is if somebody told me, but it's a left-handed Yankee pitcher. Your pack on the front says win autographed Chuck Knobloch rookie cards. Oh boy! So we've already established that he was the 1991 American League Rookie of the Year. So right. All right, your first card. Uh, This is a good. Guy, this this guy was solid. One of the many guys that was solid for uh, you know his career, and then went and played his final year in Oakland. This is Mister Eric Caros, a rookie prospect at this point for the Dodgers. Very nice. Yeah, he's got uh, he's got two and ones on though. I'm going to tell you that right now. Or as the Braves announcer used to call him, Eric Caros. Eric Caros, like uh, George Caros from yes. uh, Webster and the NFL fame. That's right. It was never Caros to them. That card is worth four cents, but he is wearing two and one, so that's going to bring you down. One. Again, I wonder what separates a five cent card from a four cent card. I'm again, can we, I'm going to contest. It's a half a point of war. Must be. Now I'm just looking through your first couple cards here. Your first four cards are rookie prospects. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they, maybe they haven't quite become. Well, you know, I've only heard of one of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've only heard one of the remaining ones. Your first one is he- Hector Fajardo. Wow, you got me on that one. Yeah, you know what? I think I, that name does seem kind of familiar. I, I don't think he did much. Here he is, a prospect with the Rangers. He has got a mustache on. I can't see his stirrups, so that's good news for you. His card, oh, wow, a seven cents. <laughs> what? Heck yeah. So that's an eight cent card right there. I knew it. I, I was always a big fan of, what was his name again? Hector Fichardo. Big fan of Hector Fichardo. Next, we've got Chris, not CJ, Cron, third base Chris? prospect for the California Angels. I don't remember a Chris Cron. I remember Maybe. a Chris Cross. Yeah, they'll make you jump, jump. Well, these rookie cards are paying off for you, though. That's a four cent card. <laughs> and he's wearing real stirrups. So that's uh, you've already almost got half of my total. This was this was the plan to use players who were once prospects and try and build them up and get extra points that way so here's your last rookie prospect at least in this run and i've heard of this guy but he is wearing two and ones uh, outfielder for the san diego padres kevin ward kevin ward sure i remember kevin ward um i'm trying to think was he a left-handed hitter he was yes yeah or no 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 he was a right-handed hitter oh then i have no idea what i'm no talking idea about is. well that's a three cent card but again he's wearing uh two and one so that's only two cents mm. All right, next card is Mike Hartley, pitcher for the Philadelphia Phillies. Not Mike Harkey, but Mike Hartley. Hartley. Mm. Doesn't ring a bell. Me either. Uh, No (laughs) mustache. 
and he is wearing two and one. So that is a minus. You get oh. your first step back. Stinking Hartley. All right. Here is uh, Joe Gray. There's a name I haven't heard for a while for the California Angels. He is definitely wearing real stirrups. And this is, uh, well, it's not his rookie card. It's his second year. I remember him a little bit, but not much about him. I remember he was kind of a spot starter, long reliever guy. I don't remember him with anybody other than the Angels. But uh, you do get one cent for the stirrups on that one. Rich Monteleone. There we <laughs> go. It's a good name from the past. Here he is, right-handed pitcher for the New York Yankees. Uh, no value to that card, no mustache. Nothing going on there. I need more rookie prospects that didn't pan out. Yeah, you certainly do. Mike Gardner, pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. Mm, I know a Mark Gardner, but not Mike. Uh, again, no value there. No facial hair. Can't see the stirrups and the card's not worth anything. Now, oh. you do. This is going to be a good. Oh, boy. I've looked ahead here and you've got some. You've got. You're going to finish out strong here, right? Currently, you're you're 18 cents behind me, but. I can see that going away. You've got a score dream team card here. So uh, the, the score does these, they're black and white photos. The dream teams are always in black and white. A couple of years, they had the, the players topless when they did these. <laughs> like there's one of Ricky sitting in just sliding shorts on a couple of bases looking pensive. Did they uh, have a John Crook card like that? <laughs> Oh, I hope so. <laughs> so this is a Hall of Famer, so that's good news for you. It's Mr. Wade Boggs, so he's oh, nice. got a mustache as well. Yes. All right, so that is worth seven cents. Whoa. Plus, you get an additional six cents. So that's a thirteen cent card. So you've pretty much just you've pretty much just caught up to me. Yeah, I wasn't expecting five cents. thirteen cent Wade Boggs. No. Uh, next, we've got. Mr. Shawan Dunstan for the uh, Chicago oh, Cubs. You know that's that's two cents right off the bat because you know he's got those really long, real stirrups, and you know yep. he's got a mustache. Yep. Here he is with the Cubs. Uh, no value on the card other than that two cents, but I'll take you, it. Yeah, you're you're only three cents behind me, and you're going to get an automatic five cents here because this is a Hall of Famer. Oh. Uh, I'm looking, uh, he's using a black bat here, so I can't see how high the pine tar is on his bat. Uh, but he's also, um, <laughs> he's also playing at home in this picture, so probably won't get called out. Uh, Mr. George Brett. One of the greats. So that's a three cent card. He's got real stirrups, so that's four and then five cents for the uh, the Hall of Fame. So that is a nine cent card. So that's, Thank you, George Brett. Yeah, that has put you ahead unless you've got five cards left. So even if all five of them were just the only value is wearing uh, two and ones, you have already won. Okay. Well, okay, good night, everybody. <laughs> all right. Let's we'll go through them anyway. I guess you're familiar with this guy. We've talked about him. He was an awful closer for the Seattle Mariners. Gave up a lot of grand slams one year. Mr. Mike Schooler. Schooler was uh, yeah, it was tough to be a Mariner fan with with Schooler as the. I'm sure he's a great guy. You know, I'm not trying to disparage him, but uh, it was not my favorite closer of all time. So he's got a mustache. That's the only value there for one cent. Uh, we've spoken about this guy before, Jeff Houston, shortstop for the Texas Rangers. Nope. Oddly enough, I grew up on Houston Street. Uh, that is odd. I'm going to minus a point for that, but he also oh, has stirrups. <laughs> 
I won't. I won't do that. <laughs> He's got real stirrups. That's the only value there. Get the manager's son here for the Chicago or the Chicago for the Kansas City Royals, but he had a good career on his own. Brian McRae. Oh sure. Now that is that's a great that's actually a good shot. It's it's at Kansas City, and they've got the all powder blue jersey still going on here, but it's also when Kauffman Stadium used to be turf. Oh sure, yeah. So that's an interesting picture. He's got real stirrups on. He's got a mustache. And uh, that's a four cent card from Beckett. Wow. So that's six cents for Brian McRae. Wow. You might beat last week's score at this rate. <sighs> All right. What if I just said this wasn't actually his official nickname, but what if I, I just told you Speaker of the House? Speaker of the House. Uh, Foley? Exactly. Mr. Tom <laughs> Foley, middle infielder <laughs> what for the Montreal Expos. Uh, he is wearing a mustache, but he is does have two and ones, and there is no value to that card. So you'll stay even there. And then your last card is reliever for the Atlanta Braves, Mike Stanton. Mike Stanton. Oh yeah, lefty. So he is wearing two and ones, jerk, and he has no value. So I'm going to minus twenty five cents for that. Ouch. Uh, all right, so your grand total is very impressive for a 92 score. You ended up with 49 cents. Wow. That's a, that is one off from your total last week of 50 cents. Wow. So congratulations. And with that, you now jump ahead. I don't remember the last time you were in the lead, but you are now up 13 to 12. I believe that's the first time I've led. Really? <laughs> I think so. All right, well, then let's wrap up the season right now. <laughs> That's a, it's a good way to send you off on vacation. Uh, a good, solid victory, 50, uh, 49 cents to 36 cents. So by 13 cents, you bested me. Oh, congratulations. Wow. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm, I worked very hard. All right, so uh, let's wrap up the show. We'd like to, as always, thank all of our listeners. We really do appreciate it. Uh, if you would be so inclined to rate, review this podcast, wherever you happen to be listening to it, that's always appreciated. Uh, likewise, if you just want to tell somebody, hey, I've got a cool podcast, or there are these two idiots that have a podcast, you got to listen how stupid they are. <laughs> we'll take it. It's fine with us. It doesn't matter. The more the merrier. A listener's but a listener. <laughs> we do want to thank everybody for listening to us. Uh, we are pretty active on social media, especially on Twitter. You can find us at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can also DM us. Get in contact with us there. Tell us uh, if we've made a mistake. We are always open to Kangaroo Court. And uh, likewise, if you've got some people you might think might make a good player manager these days, let us there know. You go. Hey, Jeff, we also have an email now. We do. Two strike noise. Spell it out. Two strike noise. T-W-O strike noise. Yep, at gmail.com. Great. Well, I'm, I'm excited. Send us, some, send us some email. Send us whatever you'd like to send us. Uh, just don't spam us. Yeah, don't sign us up. for Like if you're going to a website that needs an email address, don't use that. That's not cool. <laughs> Please. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, 
uh, hope you have a good time. We're going to have a couple of, of guest uh, hosts in just to fill in while you are away. Be careful. Have fun. And we yep. will see you in a couple of weeks. And for everybody listening, we will see you next week with a guest host. So thank you for joining us once again on another edition of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you.